Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a perfumer and candle maker, and also just an all-around cool girl. Welcome, Zara Ayoub. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Me too. Thanks for um, thinking of me. It's uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so Zara is someone who I followed on Instagram for a while and I just knew her as this girl who makes beautiful candles and then I would see these pictures of her and I'm like this girl's beautiful where is she from I'm like her name is Zara where is she from and then I like googled you and I was like oh she's Pakistani that's so cool oh it comes up <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about like where where were you born, kind of like your life, because I know that you've lived in a couple different places. Yeah, um, so I was born in England and grew up there, and then for a couple of years in my life, uh, me and my brothers and sisters moved to Pakistan, and we were in Lahore uh, for about six, seven years. How old were you? I. Th- um, I moved there when I was, I think, 12. And then I was, I was there up until um, university. Oh, wow. So you studied there. Yeah, yeah, I studied there. But um, we would go back and spend the summer back in England for like a full two months. Um, yeah, but we definitely did a while in, in Pakistan. So Zara and I were chatting before we started recording and we were just kind of, you know, getting to know each other a little bit because this is the first time we're speaking. And she brought up a topic that I'm actually really glad that she did. And I feel like it's something that not a lot of people talk about, especially within like Middle Eastern communities, Muslim communities, um, South Asian communities, which is sex and the fact that, you know, everyone's having sex, humans have sex. It's totally normal. (laughs) And And, you know, it's just, I'm really excited that she wants to talk about it because it is, it is a taboo and it is something that people really do shy away from. It's almost like this shameful thing, which is crazy because it's innate in all humans to have sexual desires. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, it's just, well, when I lived in the hall, I, um, you know, it's something that like I noticed a lot. There's no sex education. Um, yeah, I think maybe even if there is, it's like very basic, just like how you told me, like, yeah, it's just like a very, very super basic. It's not enough where, you know, you really can even go back to the teacher and be like, oh, well, you know, what does this mean? And if I do this, what does, you know, what will happen? And because, you know, you don't want to seem like maybe that's what you're doing or whatever, but it's just, it's obviously, it's like, it doesn't matter what your race is, what your religion is or anything like this stuff is happening. Even the most religious people in the world, like, you know, it's, they have sex. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. So I've been actually wanting, I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, for, for years, actually, especially when I was um, doing, like, contributing to um, random magazines in Pakistan. Like, back when I was in fashion, um, they'd always want me to do, like, a Fashion Week diary. And and then after a while, um, a few times I was like, I'm kind of over this. Like, I don't really want to talk about fashion anymore. Um, I think that I can offer a lot more. And um, I want to talk about X, Y, and Z, but I think for print publication, it was maybe too much or maybe they weren't ready. Or, yeah. To be honest, like I always trust the timing of life. So it's, it's, it's better done on a podcast than it is, you know, written in print for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to hear tone and all of that. It's so, it's super important. And also I think that what I was telling Zara before this is that I feel like in the podcast community, people who do tune in and listen, like this is the type of thing that they do want to hear about, you know, and it's, it's the right audience. And also like, you know, I do, I know that a large portion of my audience kind of lives in a place where sex education is not even, it's non-existent. It does not exist at all, which is mind boggling. I mean, I I never received any type of sex education at all, other than a little sex talk that my dad gave me once. And I was just like, dad, please stop talking to me about that. I'm traumatized for you. (laughs) Oh God, I can't even imagine my dad. Did you ever have any type of like sex talk or sex education? Um, I can't remember, honestly. I don't, I don't remember, but I feel like I knew enough 
Um, but I feel like the people around me didn't know enough. And that was the issue. Um, like there are a lot of misconceptions of how you don't get pregnant. Um, like one yeah. of them, this is really crazy. Like <laughs> we talked about this before. Um, if you, yeah. um, like after you have sex, like if you pee, you're not going to get pregnant. And a lot of girls really believe this. And obviously that's not true. And yeah, it sounds stupid, but I mean, and, and these are educated girls who are going to like into private yeah. schools who um, then end up, you know, applying to uh, different universities abroad. So it's not like we're talking about people who aren't educated. It just, it, they weren't getting that education. And this is kind of before everyone having an iPhone where they can just Google something. Um, whereas now, even if people aren't getting sex education, you can very much educate yourself like via Google or YouTube or whatever. It's super easy. So there's no excuse anymore. But there definitely was like they just had no idea or whatever their boyfriends would tell them. They would just be like, okay, yeah. Which is terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. Mortifying. Like the stuff and the stories I've I've heard. And not just even the people who work for your homes, because in countries like that, everyone has, you know, people um, that work for you. Yeah, it's super common to have like a housekeeper, a driver, a cook, like that's all extremely common. There are so many scary stories about uh, the housekeepers getting pregnant and then um, where they need to go to get abortions and how they get abortions. Like apparently there's like hangers and all kinds of stuff. So unsafe. Um, Because obviously they're Islamic countries and it's not, it's not legal. But if you're... um, if you come from money, then I guess there are, you know, you can go to clinics and they kind of do it like secretly or whatever. But, but for the, for the people who work for you or like, you know, the people who don't have money, it's, it's really like, it's dangerous what they do. Um, and they have no, they actually like the focus is more on the people who don't have education there. They, they really have no idea what's going on. They have no sex education and especially about like sexually transmitted diseases. Like how a lot of people probably die and they probably don't even know what killed them. Yeah, which is terrifying. And and it's just it's one of those things that even if you did get any form of sex talk, that's not a part of it. You know what I mean? Because again, there's this like shame that's tied into it. And there's also this like assumption that, well, the only person you're having sex with is your husband and your husband, the only person he's having sex with is you. So how you, so STDs are just not even a question, but that is super unrealistic to expect everyone to wait until marriage. It's just, I mean, it's just not yeah. what's happening. I mean, I'm not saying that's right or wrong or whatever, each their own. Yeah. Um, but it is happening. People who are doing it, and that's totally fine. Um, and if you're listening, like you should definitely, definitely Google it and also have an open conversation with your friends because like you, we learn from each other. A hundred percent. And I think that talking to your friends about this is is such a great way to get information and also like find information out together. Like I was telling Zara, a podcast that I really love listening to, which sounds very vulgar and it can be at times, but it's called Guys We Fucked and it's very informative and they talk about all of the things that people don't talk about. You know what I mean? They talk about sexually transmitted diseases. They talk about just every aspect of sex. And I think it's important that we have this information regardless of whether we're sexually active or not, or whatever the case may be. At some point, you're going to want to be sexually active. So this is yeah, useful this has information. to do with whether you're having sex or not. It's just knowledge. And I just don't think, I just kind of don't get why it's not, spoken about more because if anything I think that talking about STDs is more of a deterrent to a young woman or young man or whatever it may be because that's scary like the the thought of contracting something would be some type of deterrent which you would think in these places where they don't want you to have sex they would be reinforcing the shit out of it exactly but I feel like even just to kind of play devil's advocate for a minute, even in in the US, I feel like the sex education is extremely limited, like extremely, extremely limited. But I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, people have a lot of information because like you see ads on TV, um, you see a lot of stuff, you know, like people also talk about it openly here. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, girls tell their mom like, Hey, I want to get on birth control. And 
for me, I think that's preferable than a girl having sex, not understanding that she could get pregnant, and then realizing, oh, I'm not ready to have a child yeah, because I'm a child. Yeah, but the thing is, in countries like the UK and the US, even if you're not, get, even if the like the schools you're going to aren't giving the best sex education, after a certain age, you are like your doctor will ask you if you're sexually active and. Yeah. So then you're good. That's true. You're good here. You're just it's just those countries yeah. where they have no idea what they're doing. And and it's your right as a woman, it's and it's your right as a young young guy to know what this means and and to know that your the partner is safe. Yeah. And just also just having an overall understanding of your body and how your body works, I think just helps you have a better sense of self. Like you should know how your body works. I think that's the basic knowledge that you should have about it is just how you get pregnant, how you prevent pregnancy. Like those are things that you should know about your own body. Growing up, like, did you, like the people that you grew up around, like, were they primarily Pakistani? Like, were they comfortable talking about sex? Um, It was kind of mixed. Obviously when I lived in Lahore, it was very much predominantly Pakistani. Um, But uh, besides that, it was all kinds of like people, but yeah, people were open about, they were open about talking about sex. They, it was never like with my friend group, it's always been like, everyone can talk about it, but I just didn't know enough about it myself. So, so I just, you know, I was a little scarred by the stories to be honest. Yeah. By like what was happening to people around you because they basically didn't have the information. And so that was like, for me, that was like, major preventative. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like, how did you go about getting that information? Like, was it just through like life experiences, seeing things happening around you? Did you go out and like just Google like sex education? I I, I can't remember. Came to me in time. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing, like through life, like as you get older, you do kind of like pick up information through random resources. Just also like things, certain things just didn't make sense to me. So I was like, oh, you're going to take a bootleg pill from some, because you can get any kind of pill over the counter in those countries. So to like, to me, stuff just didn't make sense. So I was like, not a part of it, but you know. What kind of things were happening? Were people just taking like plan B, like abortion abortion pills pills and like plan B, but it was, it's, it's not like it's called plan B. So I don't know. I don't even know if they knew what they were taking. They just knew like, if I take this thing. And I think another thing that I, growing up, I heard girls saying like, they think that plan B is like a guarantee. Like if I take plan B the day after I have sex, I won't get pregnant. And it's like, that's not a hundred percent true. (laughs) The only way to make sure you don't get pregnant is by literally abstaining from sex, but like condoms, birth control, basically any form of contraception is not like a hundred percent foolproof. I feel like I just want to put that out there. Definitely. As far as STDs, like we were talking about this and I was like, I don't even feel like I fully have an extensive knowledge on like how things certain things are contracted how certain diseases are contracted like I even till now at the age of 30 like I feel like I don't fully know how that all happens because I never received that information Um, I don't know enough about it but what I do know is that for a while now I feel like this topic or this like like conversation needed to open up whether it was through me or anyone else just because it's not like it's because living in these countries like the UK and US you you know you still get all the information they don't so someone needs to have the conversation and I don't know enough about it to continue the conversation all the way but I do think it's important and like if like your at least friends need to be talking about it openly and like someone needs to take an initiative to start googling what this means or fact checking their boyfriends or fact checking their girlfriends or whatever it is because this stuff is serious and you know you need to take care of yourself yeah especially if you're young and you're sexually active i think that it's something that you should take a little bit of time to look into and yeah like i mean and it's not even always through like sexual intercourse it could be through a kiss it could be through a blowjob it could be through literally anything you can contract something so i think that in whatever way you might be active it's something you should 
definitely look into. And yeah, again, like I'm like, I don't have enough knowledge. And this is something that after having this conversation, I feel like I want to look into it more. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I want to take it upon myself to research this and go tell everyone I know. I was just wondering, like, Growing up, like, did you live in more of like a conservative household? Like, were your parents a little bit more on like the lenient secular side? Were they more cultural, religious? They were pretty um, moderate, I guess. Uh, I grew up Muslim. Um, My family is a practicing spiritual Muslim family, and we all love our faith, but we're not conservative. Um, We can wear what we like for the most part, as long as, you know, we're not super naked. Um, we, <laughs> um, same with like my cousins and everything. Um, I think, and then culturally, I don't know, my culture was never pushed on me too much, which is great because I'm not the most Pakistani person, but um, I take from my culture what I connect with. And I don't think I owe it to anyone to to be completely that because I feel like um, culture is something like you can take like I grew up in England I've lived in LA now for eight years so like I'm a part of all these different cultures you know what I mean you know I agree completely and I feel like being nationalistic in general is just kind of there's something about it that's very culty to me and like I think that you should take pride in certain parts of your culture but like this like this kind of idea of like everything my country does is correct and everything about my culture is the best it's just very intense to yeah, me well, and a little to me alarming. and these are just this is just my personal view um I feel like culture and tradition is what sets people back and is one of the reasons why there's racism and there's one of the reasons why like all kinds of hang-ups and whatnot um not fully but yeah, because it doesn't allow you to move on. I agree. Yeah, like I think that it prevents. So when you're clinging on to these kind of ritualistic things and and all of that, like how how can you expect to move forward? And I think that it's not to say that culture is should be eliminated. I think that there are so many beautiful things about culture, but I also think that there has to be a way to like evolve them and have them become adaptable with well, that's modern just times up to the individual like, like i take i think what's more important is having values because you have values as a human you're yeah. able to uh, differentiate between right and wrong but if you're just base everything on culture you're it's not like you know, you can't differentiate between right and wrong because you're going to do something that maybe your culture suits that might hurt the other person you know what i mean so, and no, I definitely see what you're saying. And like, I, I grew up in a, in a household where it, culture was never really emphasized on at all. And what was more important to my parents was always like spirituality, being a good person. Like that was what the emphasis was put on. And, and as I grew older, I realized that that's not how every household was. You know what I mean? Cause when you're young, you're just kind of like, this is how everyone is. Right. And then you grow older and you're like, no, like a lot of people that, especially I feel like from Middle Eastern, South Asian backgrounds, like culture is really like, it's very crucial. And it's like, your parents will get mad at you if you don't do X, Y, Z cultural things. And it's just like, it's a whole new world for it. It was like, what? Like your, your mom's going to get mad at you if you don't wear this outfit. Like, why does your mom even care about this outfit Um, that much? So I feel like Pakistanis internationally probably are... Um, a little bit more Pakistani than even the ones that are there. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, sorry, maybe not Pakistani, but like I grew up where my mom was like, you know, you can do what you not do what you like, but like, I trust that you're always going to do the right thing. But I mean, you need to pray five times a day or like that, that was, those were the things that were more important to her than to tell me what to wear. Like that was never, she never told me what to wear and all that stuff. But, um, or, or like culture or like, uh, traditional Pakistani stuff wasn't ever like, she didn't push that on me. Whereas a lot of the people I, I grew up with in Lahore, like culture maybe was pushed on them more than religion was like, I don't think I really had friends that parent where parents told them that they need to pray. Do you feel like that 
upbringing and and kind of the emphasis more so being on spirituality even though it wasn't like super like strict hardcore do you feel like that's something that like stayed with you oh yeah 100 percent. like I base most of my decisions on my like I I like seek guidance from my faith that's so nice and I don't know I just I, I get a lot of peace from it and I love it and I feel like yeah I think if you do, if it's not pushed on you, you can learn to love it. But I mean, I also learned more about it on my own accord. The the Islam that was taught to me is is really different to what I to how I feel about it now. You know what I mean? Like growing up, I was like, "Shit, if I don't do this, I'm gonna like burn in hell yeah. or whatever." <laughs> and I don't feel that way anymore. I just don't like. To be, that's because I've like studied it myself and researched it myself and listened to some great podcasts. And one of my favorite ones is the Soul of Islam podcast. Oh, I so want to good. check that out. Yeah, it's so good. And then my cousin, who's such a cool guy, wrote this book called Inside the Soul of Islam. Um, I think like two years ago. Okay. It is such an amazing book, and he's an amazing writer. Um, so it's like humorous at times. And oh, I love that. Um, it's just he teaches you how to live life from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. And just like this book was life changing for me and my sister. And we recommend it to everybody. And anyone that's read it is like, it's amazing. You can get it from Amazon. It's such a good book. And he's such a cool guy. Now I want to read this book because you like you really had me at like living from the inside out versus the outside in, which is like something that I feel like is relevant to me every single day as a woman who wears a hijab and is on social media. People are so concerned with my outward like appearance. It's insane. Like it's actually wild how concerned Muslims are with what I put on my body. And I'm just like, why is this all you care about? It's literally all they care about. Yeah, well, you just need to ignore them because... Oh, 100%. They, yeah, and I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, because part of being Muslim is to not judge someone. Exactly. Um, and also another book that I read that I read recently, actually, which was so amazing. Like, it was one of the best books I've ever read was The 40 Rules of Love. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard of that. An amazing book. Like, I, I even heard that they're going to make a movie out of it. Ooh. Um, now, now I have like a little bit of a reading list from you. <laughs> yeah, these two books are amazing. Uh, uh, the 40 Rules of Love is like a really nice novel, but it's also based on like Rumi and his teachings. And I love Rumi. I absolutely love Rumi. Love. Um, and so it's a really, it teaches you a really um, beautiful way and a, I guess a friendly way of uh, practicing Islam, which is a, reli- a religion that can be a little intimidating sometimes. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that a lot of religions, and this is something that we also were touching on briefly before we started recording, is that there's a lot of fear mongering in general when it comes to religion. And I think that for as long as religion has existed, people have used it bad people have used it as a tool of control. And I think that the reason why that happens more than anything is because misinformation and also not understanding the religion. I think that's really where the problem lies. And I was kind of raised in a way that like Islam was like this beautiful thing. And it was a lot of talk about, you know, being a good person and and God loving you and less about like you're going to go to hell. And I think that yeah. that's kind of crucial to kind of how I feel about Islam now as an adult. Obviously, similar to you, as I got older, I started kind of seeking out information on my own. And I think that that's also really important to do regardless of your beliefs. I think that you should kind of get out there and, and learn about other religions, about your own religion, just about life and have an open mind. But I think like this, there is still this very prevalent fear mongering that in Islam, and I can speak on Islam because I see it happening in front of me. You know what I mean? And I see people not doing things or doing things behind closed doors because of this fear and this shame. And there's, it's a lot of shame. Well, 
Another issue is that because of the way the religion is taught to most people, um, when you sin and we all sin, you just feel so guilty and you, you move further and further away from the faith because you're like, shit, I'm already sinning. And like, I can't pray now because, you know, I just did this, that and the other. And, but what you need to realize is like, it's like food for the soul. So if you need to food, if you need to eat to survive, cause your body needs food as fuel, your soul needs meditation or prayer to like survive. Um, like don't kill someone, but like <laughs> no matter what, even if you drink, um, the sin for not praying is greater than the sin of drinking. You need to, you need to pray regardless. That is one of the five pillars of Islam that is survival. And you don't need to do it for God because God doesn't need you to do that. You actually need to do it for yourself because it, we live such hectic lives. So he's at like, it's like a favor like he's actually doing us a favor that he has given us this tool to survive. So five times a day, you can take three minutes out to like, kind of just, you know, get away from everything and everyone and just like have this direct dialogue with God. And that's all it is. It's this special little conversation that you're having uninterrupted with God. Exactly. It's a direct portal to God. And I totally believe it. And I pray five times a day. Um, That's amazing. And it's, and yeah, I mean, I, I do, but like, sometimes that really surprises people because, you know, they just maybe. People love to, and that's the thing. I'm sure if someone were to look at you and to look at me, most Muslim people, they would assume that I pray five times a day and that you don't. Yeah, exactly. That's really true. And that's why I think that like, coming back to you saying like working from the inside out is so important because you know, for me, and and this is a constant thing that is being thrown at me wearing a scarf, but like, for me, it's like, I can do this thing that makes me feel good and that I believe pleases God. And so if I can do this thing, I'm going to do it. And that's how I view most things in life. Like if I can do this good thing, I'm going to do it. And that's not going to say that if I do something wrong, then I can't do something right. And this idea of being perfect, it's just unattainable. You know, we all do things to the best of our ability and we all have different capabilities. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just, we're all kind of working on it and no one is going to do every single thing perfectly. That's just crazy. Yeah. Also in the book, my cousin's book, Inside the Soul of Islam, um, he actually teaches you how to live life from the inside, from the inside out. Um, because there's a whole, like, obviously it's a paradigm shift. And, and so like in one chapter, cause I read it a while ago and I, I may be forgetting, but he fully talks you through how to do it and, um, how to stay present and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's a really good book. And if you want a book that doesn't scare you, this is the book for you because all the other books can be like, I mean, I actually haven't read that many, so I can't say that, but this is a great book. Like I seriously recommend it to any spiritual seeker. Um, you're going to enjoy it. He's a good writer. I'm proud of him. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. And yeah, I definitely, this is a book I'm interested in. And, and, and I think that a lot of books about Islam can be a little bit intimidating and you just kind of feel like, how, how can this author relate to me? You know what I mean? Like it's because I feel like a lot of times Islam is really approached in a way of like, this is what you need to do. You know what I mean? Just do all of these things and just make sure you do all these things. And if you fuck it up, you're going to hell. Like that's, I feel like a lot of it. And I'm just like, Oh, like it's intense. Yeah. But it's not as black and white as everyone thinks. There's that gray area where, and that gray area is you may have done a sinful thing, but your intent is the gray area. Like what was your intent? If your intent was fine, then you're good. And, and that's it. And anyway, it's it's between you and God. So that's it. You don't need to be afraid anymore. You're, you're good and you'll stop being afraid and you'll start practicing 
um, faith. And that's the thing. I think that removing that element of fear is so crucial to like creating a loving connection. Because if you're afraid of someone or something or some being like it, I just, I don't think that you need to be afraid to respect someone or to love what someone. My friend said to me a while ago, like we were just talking about, I can't even remember like something to do with religion. <laughs> and, um, and she, and this was like a real turning point for me because she said something so simple. She's like, well, why would you do something out of the fear of God? Like you're supposed to do it out of the love of God. And, and I was like, oh my God, yeah, it's so simple. But that was like, yeah, like do it because you love everything God has given you. And like, you like do it out of the love, don't do it out of the fear. Cause when you do it out of the love, it's so much more genuine than when you're doing it out of fear. But I think different people respond to different things. Some people to be mm-hmm. afraid to not sin. Some people respond to fear more and I'm the kind of person I'm not going to respond to fear and I'm not going to respond to like someone trying to make me do something I don't want to do. I will respond to love. But then for example, like my sister, she responds to fear more. Different people are motivated by different things. And yeah, for me, fear or punishment like that to me just completely turns me off. Like I just kind of want to avoid it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, and then, but all my friends are all different faiths, but are all spiritual and really respect each other's religion. Um, but actually when it's Ramadan, the first week, I'll have so many of my close friends doing Ramadan with me that aren't Muslim. That's so nice. Yeah. My best friend, um, she's like Lebanese Catholic. She did like a full week of Ramadan with me. Um, and then one of my friends is Nigerian. The other one is Jamaican. Like they did, they do Ramadan. I have a friend who's, um, very Christian and her family like work for the church. And we, we really bond on that spiritual level, but, but yeah, I mean, definitely. I always help people get closer to no matter what their faith is, but just naturally, not like a, you know, in a, (laughs) you're not, you're not like, you know, threatening hell or anything like that. No, sometimes I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, a a few threats here and there are just some, you know, JK threats, nothing real. Yeah. You mentioned that you had been previously married and I'm just curious, were you married to a Muslim or was the person not Muslim? Yes. Muslim. Okay. Yeah. And, what what was that experience like for you? Um, like in regards to like faith, I guess. Like like, do you feel like being a, having a partner, a Muslim partner, being married to them? Do you feel like that brought you closer? No, it. I I don't know actually. Um, he wasn't the most Muslim, so um, I mean, he is Muslim, but like he's not, you know, practicing. Like it's. So, like, collectively, we weren't most, like, you know what I mean? I didn't get into that. But I just got more spiritual just in time. And, um, yeah, we, we didn't connect on a spiritual level. And that's the thing. I think it's it's super important to connect on a spiritual level. And I think that it's something that I didn't realize as much when I was, like, in my early 20s. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, it's just, it'll sort itself out type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, everything will be fine. But I think that when finding a partner, having the same kind of approach to religion and spirituality, even if you're not in the same place, is super kind of important. And I guess the reason why I was interested is because I feel like there's this this idea, especially in Islam, that like when you get married, like your partner is supposed to like strengthen your faith. And like, that's why marriage is so important, you know? They are. And I think that's important. But at the same time, um, I think even if you're not married to a Muslim or even if you're married to a Muslim and they don't practice it the way you do, I, and it, it, I think what's important is that you hear each other out and you don't, you know, you're just, you're so loving about the other person's beliefs. I'd like to be with a Muslim, but like, if they're not a practicing Muslim, like I wouldn't, you know, I would want them to like really respect the fact that I am, um, or, you know, just be into the idea that I am. It doesn't mean they have to be. I mean, it's always good if you're on the same level and you're on the same page, but like, you know, I just think that it it kind of 
like people talk a lot about like, ooh, opposites attract, but I feel like kind of what I've seen, it's like there has to be like certain kind of core similarities. Yeah. You know what I mean? So who said opposites attract? I mean, I feel like that's a little bit of a myth. I actually yeah. watched this really interesting documentary a couple of years ago. Um, I was on a flight from Miami to LA and there was a documentary on matchmaking match websites. And statistically, they are really successful because statistically, when people have more in common, they tend to stay together. A thousand percent. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like there's this weird myth that opposite attracts, but I'm like, I don't think that's true. Attract in the, in what I feel like in the beginning when you're like, oh my God, that's cool. And like, but like in the beginning, it's always so fun that, you know, a lot of things go that won't go, that won't work later on. Um, but I think having things in common is definitely, definitely good. Yeah. Like, and like, I think it's not even like, oh, we like the same music. It's like, I think when it comes down to core things and I, it's not even like, oh, like I'm religious. You have to be just as religious as me, but it's like kind of having the same kind of idea or approach to it. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be on the same level, but I feel like it has to be the same kind of perception. And that, that to me, I think is something that is in most successful relationships that I've seen, whether they're Muslim or not, like that's something that is a similarity between all of those different relationships is like kind of seeing eye to eye when it comes to spirituality. Yeah, definitely. That's important. I I'm at the point in my life where like, you know, obviously everyone's on my ass about getting married, just like random people, like literally random people who I don't even know, just random Muslim ladies are just like, why aren't you married? You should get married. And I'm just like, please stop talking to me. Yeah. Just online? Like, <laughs> it, online, it, like, I will get DMs from people being like, Yo, like, I'll mention, like, oh, I'm 30. And they'll DM me, like, you're 30 and you're not married. And they're just mind boggled. Like, their whole life just fell apart in front. And I'm like, why, why, literally, why do you care? But, you know, just random aunts, uncles, relatives, family, friends, that type of thing. And, and for me, like, something I feel like they're, they never fully can comprehend. Luckily, my parents you know, uh, kind of, they, they get it. You know what I mean? But these people, they, they fully don't understand that like, oh, like I want to marry someone who's right for me. Like, there's just, just like, what do you mean right for you? Like who fucking cares? You should just get married. In these communities, for sure. Like there's a lot of pressure to get married on time, on time, meaning like from like 25 onwards is, you know, 30 is considered old yeah like you're done like you have no hope <laughs> I was married at 25 and that is very young it's young but I mean it's young but it's a good age to get married and if it works out it's so great yeah I don't think there's I think it's so simple it's just about getting these parents to understand it yeah your your destiny is your destiny like you everyone has a journey not everyone can graduate at the same time. Not everyone can get married at the same, at that age. And that it's just like, doesn't life doesn't work that way. And honestly, they shouldn't understand that more than anyone, but they don't because once again, it's all about fear. It's just like, they're so afraid for you that like, if you are not married, then, Oh my God, who's going to marry you or, or like, who are you going to marry or And obviously as you get older, like, you're more set in your ways and, you know, you do get more pickier, but that's not a bad thing. That just means that you're going to fuck up less. Oh, a thousand, I couldn't literally couldn't agree with you more. I do like my, cause I've had people tell me like, but if you live alone and you get older, you're going to become more particular. I'm like, I definitely am, but I don't think that's bad. I think that's actually pretty good because now I understand myself in a way that I didn't before, which I think will aid me in finding someone who works with me. You don't need to find, like, you don't need to go out and find anyone. Like, people, it just happens. You could go to the grocery store and meet someone. You know, like, people, girls, I don't know about guys, I'm sure in their own way they do, but girls put so much emphasis on finding someone and, like, it's just, it, and not even just Muslim girls, it's girls in general, like, a hundred percent. So many girls. I mean, that's just what all the girls talk about all the time, even in LA. Most of them, not all of them. Um, and I just 
don't, I can't be a part of that conversation because it's just like, what are you achieving out of um, talking about this all day, every day? It's not getting you the man. Um, And also life just has its own timings and you'll meet the right person at the right time. And that's all you need to know. I fully agree because the thing is, is like, I don't understand the idea of kind of like obsessing over it. Like I understand why it happens. And I think it's because society kind of has ingrained in females minds that like, you need to be saved by a man. You need a man to begin your life. Like your life doesn't begin until a man. And it's not a Muslim thing. It's just like a worldwide thing. Yeah. And, and I think that again, like what you said, just reiterating it, like uh, obsessing over it, isn't going to change anything. Of course, it's really nice to be with someone and yeah. being, being married is really beautiful. Um, and I think that, you know, no one should be afraid of that kind of commitment. Um, but it just happens when it happens. You can't force these things. When you do force these things, um, it doesn't work out. You know, just some things in life, you just have to leave it and go with the flow. You can't force it. It's like forcing someone to like you. Yeah. Like, that's pretty. What are you going to do? Put a gun to the guy's head and be like, why? Don't, and like, you can't do that. It's And also just letting go is so much more easier. A, a thousand percent. And also just put your, putting your energy into things that you actually can change. I think that's something that's it's what makes it easier and less exhausting because when you're putting all of your energy into something that you have literally no control over, you cannot change. You're not gaining anything. It's just kind of this exhausting process of wanting something and not getting it. And over time, it's just draining. And I think taking that time to just work on loving yourself and bettering yourself and being the best version of you that you could possibly be is much more rewarding. And like you said, like, if you're meant to be with someone, you'll find them and it'll happen. And it's just kind of your destiny. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, staying present is one of the most, it's it's challenging to learn how to do that, but it's the most rewarding thing. Like it, it just means not thinking about the past in your, in your, like, and not thinking about the future. It just means being just very much alive in this moment. That's also the point when you can be the, the closest to God is when you're being present and also being present when you're talking to a friend or, and it's interesting because my cousin said this to me, um, during like Ramadan, I was like, what can I do? What, what else can I do to like, basically, um, you know, to remember, like, to remember God, like, I'm like, I don't want to keep reading this or that. Like I've been listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And he's like, just being present is one of, the the biggest acts acts of worship to God because when you're present is when you're closest to God and I just didn't get that for a while like it took me a couple of days to really grasp what that meant and it's true when you're present is when you can remember God so when you're with a friend um give them all your attention like literally if they're and I said even if they're talking shit it doesn't matter to give them your all and when you're eating a meal give that your all um anything it is, um, interesting, like the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. him. He would, um, when someone would talk to him, he would give them their, his entire like attention. Like even he would turn his entire body towards them and look them, look at them and like give them that respect and attention. Um, and that's, you know, these are all the things that we can do instead of, um, worry about, finding someone (laughs) you're like this is a list of other things that you can do but no and I think that's such a beautiful thing and 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 when you really when you really learn about Islam to its truest form it's just so incredibly beautiful and everything the prophet did was beautiful and the way he respected people was beautiful and the way he spoke to people and interacted like his behavior was just that's what you you can only hope to be even close to that, you know, because he really was kind of the pinnacle of like being respectful and being kind and being gracious. And I think that as humans and as in to someone, do it 
so like do it nicely where like where when you walk away from that person you're like oh they're so sweet every time I see them they just meet me so nicely as opposed to that person you've met a million times and then pretends that they don't still don't know you or like it's half-assed then what's the point like you want to walk away from people making them feel good and if you're not doing that then stay home a hundred percent and I think that yeah like one of the greatest compliments someone can give to me is like I feel so comfortable speaking to you or I I'm in such a better mood now like that to me is like better than any other compliment you could ever give me is just like oh I was able to make you make your day better in any way just by like listening and talking to you like that's something that's super special to me. And that's something that like, I, I try to do every day because it's those human interactions that kind of matter to people the most and kind of stay with them. Ultimately how you make someone feel is the most important thing. Um, and, and you can't always make people feel good. Of course. <laughs> or not, you know, but it's, yeah, it's something definitely to, to try to work on. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing. And like, I have my bad days where like, I just don't have it in me. You know what I mean? And it's like, you can't be in that state of mind all the time because sometimes you're exhausted, whatever. But I think that just generally like being kind is something that I feel like people are a little bit like, it's, it's not considered like a strength almost, you know what I mean? And I think that we need to view kindness as a strength and as something that we should all aspire to be more kind to one another, because it's something that I've noticed is very much so lacking. Like people are very quick to assume the worst and, and all this. And it's, it's kind of stems from like a lack of kindness. Well, everyone's talking about wanting to be kind and being more kind, but then, you know, everyone's also judging each other. Yeah. But I think about channeling kindness into not necessarily like, such a direct approach but maybe more of how you're judging people and more consciously like as in internally yeah yeah I I don't know no 100 percent no no I I get that and I think that again like working on yourself internally is the best investment you can kind of make in this life you know what I mean it's like building a relationship with if you believe in God then work on that. And if you, you know, just working on yourself internally is really more important than anything else. Yeah, exactly. And, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit before we wrap up, because I think that what you do is really special. And so Zara makes candles and, and scents and, and all of that. And you have an incredibly sustainable conscious approach to it. And I think that what you're doing is super innovative. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about, um, 1986. Um, okay. 1986 is my baby. (laughs) Um, it's been around for just a a year, actually. It was a year in, um, in November. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Um, I decided, well, my background's in fashion. I was um, doing all kinds of different things in fashion, um, but gave that up um, and really began to pursue something that was more like soulful to me. Um, So for my 30th birthday, I went to this little town in Texas called Marfa. And I went to see uh, the Prada Marfa installation, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen like images of this store in the middle of nowhere. That's actually just an installation. um, And it's in the middle of Texas. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, But the closest town is called Marfa. And it's an art town. There's like this famous um, artist called Donald Judd, and he has the Chinati foundation there. Um, Anyway, so I went and had this really nice trip and it was kind of like a turning point in my life where I was over fashion and wanted more meaning um, and just was generally becoming a little bit more like earthy and a little bit more um, just aware of a lot of things going on in my life, Um, like both in my career and personal life and all of that stuff. So um, it's also a time when I had just – got in a house. I was doing a lot of different work in the house and I loved marble. I just thought marble, everything was the shit. (laughs) Um, so anyway, I, I was really inspired by a lot of Donald Judd's work and a lot of the work I saw out there. And I wanted to, 
I, and I, I've always loved candles. Like my mom actually told me a couple of months ago that remember you used to make candles as a kid, like all the time. I completely forgot. I used, oh my to, God. I used to melt candles in a pot and get um, food dye and color, like make a red candle and then use like my piggy bank as a mold and would make these teddy bear candles and all kinds of candles. Like I was obsessed. My whole room was candles. That's and amazing. At the time, I completely didn't remember until my mom said, oh my God, you were obsessed with candles. And I knew I was obsessed with candles because like, I just always have them around in my house. So one of the things was that I would buy these expensive candles. And then when they'd run out, I was like, oh man, this was just so expensive. I can't believe I have to throw this away. Yeah. Um, not just, and, and, and so that's where I tied everything in the, the trip, the art, the use of marble and then my marble comes from Pakistan. So I got to put in my, my country. They get to, which know. I think is, is so that's what kind of makes it like just that little bit, like it's special. You know what I mean? It's a bit of you, some of the best marble in the world. So I, I'm so lucky that I get to use that, that beautiful marble. Um, and actually where it's mined is between Iran and Pakistan and it's it's in Pakistan but it's like the area between and um yeah it's the sixth biggest energy field in the world which is so incredibly awesome wow um, anyway um yeah so I started to make these candles and then the wax I use is coconut wax it's it doesn't have any paraben in it um the 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 fragrance is an essential oil blend everything is it's the most sustainable and the most eco-friendly wax out there right now in the market. Yeah. Um, and then you can reuse the marble. I've, I re like, I have my, uh, kitchen utensils, um, nicely displayed in it, like at these gold utensils. So like I have my, I reuse it like that. I reuse it in my bathroom. I put my, like the face roller. I mean, they're beautiful. Like the marble is beautiful. Like it looks well-made. It's something, it's like a piece of decor that you want to have in your house. You know what I mean? It's not like just some random candle that you're like, Oh, I guess I can like use this to hold my makeup brushes. Like, no, it's, it's stunning. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's so stunning. Like every time I look at them, which is all day, every day. (laughs) And then I have the bigger one. That's like, that's a table. And Oh my God, that one is beautiful. It's literally fully a table and it's a candle. I'm looking at it right now as we speak. But I, I actually um, um, was delivering one to a client yesterday. So I went to the factory and it was, and it was usually I don't see them when they're done because I just have them delivered to the client. But I was at the factory for something else and I saw it poured and it was all new. And I was like, wow. And everyone at the factory is always like, just so in awe of it. Um, but I just have that, like that moment where I'm like, can't believe I made, I can't believe I made this. I'm happy, but it took a really long time to get to this point. Like I was, um, I was struggling. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and I read this amazing quote by Rumi, um, years ago. And it's, and it was, um, let yourself be silently drawn by the stronger pull of what you really love. Wow. And that, because I was, I, I was always like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Like I was the um, PR director for Vivian Westwood America. I was, and which is like a great position to be in. And I was doing all these cool things in fashion, but they just didn't sit well with me. Like I was over, it. I was like, really, I feel like I can do more. I can do something that mean is more meaningful. I was lacking meaning Yeah, in fashion and I'd go to fashion week and come back and be like, really? Like, that's great. Like, it's great if, if it's like making you happy, but it just was like, I need more. I need to do more. I need to, and I, and I want, like, I also wanted a product, but anyway, it just takes time to figure it out. And, and it, that's a hard process. It just felt really right, to be honest. That's amazing. I just, I, I took my time with it. So I worked on it for two years and I didn't, I like to me the product is excellent quality wise how it burns like packaging wise all everything like to me like I just I thought of so many other things that I wanted to do but I couldn't get myself to put it out because I was like it's not 
perfect. And I'm, and I'm also a Virgo, so <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. So I really like was like, if I'm going to put something out, it has to be amazing and perfect and it has to be like worth it. Yeah. So what I found and, you know, there is, it just makes me really happy every day. I'm so grateful. I'm so that, and that's so nice to hear. So what, were you working on the candle while simultaneously working at your PR job? Um, no, I, so I left that a while before and then I was just freelancing. I do like random styling gigs. Um, yeah. And then I was working on it. That's really cool. And, and the kind of the sustainability element, was that something that you knew from the very beginning? Like, this is something that's really important to me that I have to incorporate. Yeah. Because I, um, just, in a candle on a candle standpoint i was over buying expensive candles and throwing them away i wanted it to be a candle that people can then use around the house and so this is before like the whole sustainability like you know it's like super oh yeah trending, it's right? a huge buzzword right now it was before that but i was only thinking about it just on the level of candles yeah um and it's so much more now i my packaging is super simple and I, it's like, I think it's important for luxury, like to be what luxury is needs to be redefined a little bit because there is no luxury in amazing, expensive packaging that you throw immediately after you open the package. That's not luxurious behavior. Yeah. That's not okay. So mine is simple, really simple packaging. Um, you still feel good opening it because there's little like things that you like discover when you open the box, um, which is really nice. And a lot of thought has gone into every aspect of it, but you don't feel bad throwing that package away immediately. It's, it's meant to be thrown away and recycled. And that's the best part. And it's so interesting that you say that because literally any luxury item I've ever purchased, like I feel guilty throwing the packaging away. Like I legitimately feel guilty. And then when you're moving, you realize why the hell did I collect all this? Junk? <laughs> like, it's just what's been happening with me the last um, couple of weeks. Yeah, so many shoe boxes, so much just random packaging that I'm like, I don't want. I feel bad throwing this away. Yeah, exactly. Or you're like, oh, it's a cute, like I don't know. <laughs> I actually, my sister, what she's what she does with like boxes and stuff is she puts them in her son's, he's a little baby. She puts them in his drawers to help sort his clothes. Cause they're all so tiny. So she uses them like yeah. as little dividers and I love it. That's so cute. That's, that's so cute. I love that. Yeah. And I think that it, like, cause I, I was on your website and I was reading everything about it and I'm like, you really, you really thought about everything. You know what I mean? Like you really considered every little detail and it's not, I think that it definitely like, you know, with sustainability being this buzzword, which again, like if you're doing it, like if you're a brand and you're doing it just to like be trendy, whatever, it's still, it's still good and great. But I also yeah. think there's something to be said about someone like yourself who's creating something where it just seems very genuine. Like it's, it was important to you from the very get go. And it's something that wasn't meant to be trendy. And it was just like, why am I yeah. going to create more waste? Yeah. Um, to tell you a little bit about how my, fragrances work is I work on scent memory I work with scent memory so there I have three scents currently and I have two new ones coming out and all of the fragrances are based on memories so I grew up in Marlborough in London um, and it's where my sister still lives and it's where I stay when I'm I'm always back there um, and so that fragrance smells like rain like when it first rains and you get that when it first rains and, yeah. and you and you smell like that earthy scent. Um, that's what Marleburn smells like. Uh, Marfa is the place I went to um, that time when I, when, yeah. uh, um, and that one, like there's a memory of the last night we went to this really cute restaurant called the Capri and they had like a little outdoor fire pit and there was this just, so that one smells like fiery. That was a really great night. Me and my girlfriends had a really good time. Um, 
And it was just one of those like monumental moments. And then Melrose is where I've been living in LA. Well, I've just moved, but um, I love walking around in that area. Um, And a lot of houses around Melrose have like white rose, um, white roses outside. So that one has white rose, bamboo and Darjeeling. Um, So they're all based off of scent memory. And then the other two that are coming out, um, one is Yosemite. Um, I just went there and I loved it. I love trees. Um, I mean, trees are like being around nature just in general, like how can you not be in an awe of it? It's so majestic and beautiful. Such an insanely amazing fragrance. Like I, I'm burning one right now and it smells absolutely divine. Um, and the, the fourth, wait, is that the fourth? The fifth one it, is, yeah. um, that's the, the next one coming out, um, is called Mijev, which is, um, a little ski, t- well, not a ski town, but I guess it is a ski town in the French Alps, um, where I, um, I went with my family last winter and we had the best time and it had the most beautiful pink sunsets. Um, I don't even know how to describe that one, but it literally smells like that memory. It's so interesting. I was looking at your scent descriptions on your website and I actually jotted down the description of Marfa because it, it smoky bonfire in the desert. I mean, there's more to it, but I'm just like, I can envision that. You know what I mean? Like, and I've, I, I don't know that I've even ever been in a smoky bonfire in a desert, but I'm like, I know that that's probably smells can smell it just the way just right now like I exactly like I can kind of smell it just reading the descriptions of your sense and I just I think that it's also really special that you you work with scent memory and that was actually something that I wanted to ask you what's what's your earliest scent memory that you can think of um my mom I still love to smell my mom especially like around her neck like she smells so good and um I used to be I used to suck my thumb as a kid and then have her cardigan in my hand and like sniff it because it's oh. not like her. So I'd like suck my thumb and have this like cardigan rolling around like on the floor, like dragging. Um, and then I had a blankie and I was also obsessed with the smell of that blankie and I used to do the same thing. So I just have always, and this is something I didn't even like, it kind of, I think when you work on things soulfully, things just come out and like, from in, in random ways, like all of this go like kind of has come together. Yeah, no. And, and I think that's, that's so true. Like when you're, when you're being true to yourself and, and, and embracing kind of your uniqueness and I don't even know how else to describe it, but like it yeah. does come across, it really does come across. And that's why I think what, you know, there's all this talk about being, you know, um, God, what's the word? It starts with letter a, it's on the tip of my tongue, authentic. It's, yeah. you know, authenticity is this huge, big thing. But the thing about authenticity is, is like, it really does come across when it is just that. And I think that that's something that I think drew me to you, even though I'd never spoken to you or anything. I was like, this girl, this girl's herself. You know what I mean? Like this woman is just living her life and creating and, and doing things that make her happy. And that instantly made me like, Oh, I, I want to, I want to see what she does. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Honestly, I'm just trying to be me and, you know, just because we're all different. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, the only way your brand can be different is if it's completely unique to you because we are all unique. We're all different to each other. No matter how much we like, no matter what, we're all unique. I'm just so glad that we were able to do this. I know me too. Thank you so much for having me. Some of the things that we talked about have been on my mind for a while and I've, I wanted to discuss it. Yeah. And I think that this is a really good kind of outlet for that. And, and I'm sure there's some young women who listen to this. And I'm, I'm really hoping that this conversation that we had, or young men or anyone, it inspires them to kind of educate themselves about their bodies and and about sex. And also, I, I really like this is actually one of the first times I've talked, spoken about like spirituality in this kind of way. And I think that it's something that 
isn't spoken about as much. There's a lot of talk about rules and, and all of this, but not so much about spirituality. So I'm really glad that you were able to kind of bring that into the mix. Where can people find you online? Where can they find your beautiful candles? Um, you can purchase my candles at, on the website, which is 1986home.com. Um, and we ship... We ship internationally, but really it's more U.S. focused right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, just because they're heavy. Um, so like shipping them abroad is a little complicated. Um, but if you're desperate enough, we will do it. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. And then I sell, if you're in L.A., I sell at the little beauty store called Violet Gray. Um very modest of you. Violet Gray is like the fucking beauty like destination and they're very picky about what they stock. Like curation is number one. So that's major that you're stocked there. Like that's so huge. Yeah, it is. I I love it. I actually just restocked with them. I, they, they sell my matches as well. Um, they're the best. I love them. I love going in there. Um, and then I, I sell at this new members only club in New York called the well. Um, and then I sell at a store in Dallas. Um, I'm, I'm new, so I'm still getting my foot in the door and yeah, I definitely want to be in more department stores. I maybe not too many more, um, just cause I prefer direct to consumer and, um, and also I don't think, department stores are I don't think that's where people are shopping anymore I don't shop at department stores I don't know that's that shops at department stores anymore um so yeah um but like I have my eye on one in particular I want to launch in Europe and I will be launching in in Pakistan at like this next year hopefully that's so exciting and I feel like that's going to be really special for you one day at a time yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I want to wrap up and I, again, just want to say thank you so much for coming on. This has been so amazing. Um, and I'm going to have all of Zara's, um, links and, and all that information in the episode description. And then as always, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Nori, and you could follow the podcast at Arab American Psycho on Instagram as well. If you like the podcast and you listen regularly and you're not subscribed, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, if you haven't left a review on iTunes, please leave a review. It helps me stay on the charts. And quite frankly, I like staying on the charts. It's fun. And I like having fun. Don't you like having fun? Let's have fun together. And um, I will talk to you psychos next week. Bye.